This is GNE, the podcast, Golf and Entrepreneurship, with Megan Lamoth, founder and CEO of 4A Golf. You have to make time for yourself to actually remember why. And so, like, never forget why. If you sort of, like, tattoo it on your body, probably just don't put it on your face because it's going to come in the way of business meaning. But, like, whatever you got to do to remind yourself, like, daily, weekly, whatever the, the right time period is, like, don't forget why. What's going on, everyone? Happy holidays and welcome back to another episode of G&E, the podcast, where each week we talk with individuals who are creating remarkable careers, lives and businesses around this great game. And before we get into this week's episode, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in this year. It has just been an incredible journey so far, and we are so excited to keep things rolling again in 2019 as we will kick back into full gear a couple weeks into January continuing to tell the stories of all these amazing people in golf. And until then, this week's guest is Megan Lamoth, and she is the founder and CEO of 4A Golf. And as an avid golfer and former Victoria's Secret executive, Megan saw an opportunity in women's golf apparel to build a more modern brand that would not only appeal to women golfers, but also to create clothing that a younger generation would enjoy to hopefully get more women into the game. And for her, Getting the brand off the ground is just a great story of perseverance, and it is very inspiring. And so I hope you all enjoy my interview with Megan as much as I did. And without further ado, Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And so we're going to get into your new brand in a second, and I'm a big fan of it because it's more of a modern woman's apparel line. I think that is very much needed in today's game. But before we do, can you fill us in on, you know, really what you're doing before that and, uh, you know, how you got into golf in the first place? Sure. Um, <laughs> so I only started playing golf as an adult, but really taking it back, um, my career, I grew up in upstate New York and I went to Colgate University, which is a really mm-hmm. uh, cool liberal arts college in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, in the frozen north. And, and then after that, I moved, um, Boston, Massachusetts, and my first job, believe it or not, was working for Susie and Jack Welch. Jack was the old CEO GE, and he had just retired, so I got to travel around the world with them wow. a little bit. But um, yeah, that was super cool. The uh, but you know when I first started working with them, I had this crazy idea that I was going to graduate college and then go to law school and be a lawyer. And uh, I remember like at the time, I think I was angry about it, but I now I really realize. I told Susie, just, you know, Jack's wife, who I work for, and she's like, you're not going to be a lawyer. Because <laughs> <laughs> your said, personality, right, what uh, was it? I have no idea, but she's like, there's no way that's happening. And I said, okay. And I would think maybe I was offended and then kind of went home and then thought about it a little bit more, but maybe she's just sort of like omniscient anyway. So, um, but my job there, I, I actually got to work on their um, book, which was really exciting. And it was a number one uh, international bestseller called mm-hmm. Winning. Um, and literally doing all the fact checking and everything else for that book. It was really cool because then I got to go on the road with them and travel and go to all the different business schools where I had kind of the aha moment that that's really, those were my people. That's where I belonged. And, and that's the stuff that really kind of, um, got me up and got me going in the morning and, and just those kind of questions. And so, um, Jack and Susie from there, I went to NYU Stern, which was amazing. I can't say enough about how much, um, NYU contributed to my life. Uh, I graduated there in 09, but the thing that was different about that was um, I wanted to go work in fashion and in that industry, and it was really difficult at the time, and now there's a lot of really great MBA programs out there for people interested in that world, 
Um, but there weren't at the time, so I really had to hustle and, and go take as many internships as I could. So I was working for a Neapolitan menswear company. I worked for a beauty company based in um, Bali, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but I graduated in 09, and it, hopefully everybody listening understands what happened in 08, yep. because the financial world in New York City really fell apart. Um, and obviously, you know, all my friends who had jobs at Lehman and Bear Stearns lost their jobs. How that translated to the fashion world was everybody's collections ended up being black. Interesting. <laughs> it's actually true. You can go back and look at the runway shows, but literally they were all black. It was crazy. Okay. Black is the cheapest fabric. And so, so anyway, and so you, well, I'm, I'm curious before getting your MBA, did you know you want to be in fashion or was it something you learned while you were there? Um, you know what? It was something that I actually had always wanted to do. I think, um, from humble beginnings as a salesperson at American Eagle. Yes, it was, it was the nineties. So things were different <laughs> then and it was cool at one point. But, um, no, from there. And I think the, the, I think, um, retail is one of those things. Listen, like I love stores, I love merchandising and I love fabric and I love fashion and I love all that stuff. And, you know, if you think about like, what do you want authentically for yourself? And, and at some point those things all converge and you're like, gosh, you know, that's where I belong. And that's, yeah. that's how I always had the feeling. And retail is one of those things. It's kind of like a merchant is a merchant is a merchant and they have it in their blood. And they're the kind of people like we don't stop. We work seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year. Um, and it's always about like, what's next, what's next, what's next. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just, I think it's one of those things how I was wired. Now, am I going to recommend that life to anybody? <laughs> Only if you really love it. Okay. Yeah. Like most things. <laughs> but, but it is exactly, but it is very, very consuming, but it's also really fun because you have real interactions with your customers. Um, but anyway, but so, yeah, I mean, I did, that's where I wanted to be. I was always watching runway shows. I was always obsessed with like when I was a kid, MTV had the show. You guys are probably don't know called House of Style. Obsessed with Cindy Crawford, like you know. It was Jack- your thing. It was your thing. It was my thing. It was okay. my thing. Um, for, for a girl from Poughkeepsie, yeah, it was my thing. Absolutely. And so, so you get your MBA and, and you come out like you said, it's '09, and it's not necessarily the best time to look for a job. Uh, what did you do yeah. next? Well, yeah. What was your next I, move? I took a I took the highest paying best job I could find, which was I worked in marketing for Fox News. And I always say this is when Fox News was at its Fox Newsiest. Like mm-hmm. Geraldo had a full mustache. Uh, it was like Glenn Beck and, um, you know, that whole time where it was really sensationalist and crazy. And I haven't watched Fox News in a while. Um, it was it was an interesting thing. I learned a lot. Um, so, but that really wasn't where I really wanted to be. Okay. So I kind of had to come to Jesus moment. I was there for a year. Um, and then I turned around and I went to go work for um, a friend in Boston um, who ran her own store. And so I was her uh, second in command from top to bottom doing, I guess, you know, CRM and thinking about how do we optimize our customers and what should our, you know, um, supply chain look like and, you know, how do we expand? And um, so we ended up doing, starting before it was a thing, doing pop-up stores. Yeah. So we did a pop-up store in um, West Palm Beach, and we were testing markets in Nantucket. And now, actually, I'm proud to say she has stores in both of those places. So I'll take a little bit of credit for that. There you go. Um, but that was a major, 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 major pay cut. Like, took everything to go make that work. Like, eating ramen yeah. at best. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you just got to sacrifice to get into the industry or the career path that you want. And sounds like it was a little bit of a stepping stone. And then also, at the same time, just a really good learning experience. It was. And I mean, you know, working seven days a week and then even like loving a store so much and working so hard at a store so much, like I recarpeted her back room. I wow. mean, it was crazy overnight. Like we pulled it, we pulled an all nighter 
we recarpeted the back room because it needed to get done. I mean, just, you know, getting your hands dirty. And I think that's a good lesson for entrepreneurs. Like, you know, you can write CEO or whatever in your card, but the real reality of it is, is like you're sweeping the floors and you're flushing the toilets. You're like doing it, everything. That's what, the, that's what it was. Is. You know, you're there. Yeah, I had uh, Kevin Lavelle from Ms. and Maine on the podcast and we talked about this and he was like, I think a better title for someone just starting the company instead of CEO is chief everything officer because everything. you're doing it all. Sure. You're the janitor, you're doing marketing, you know, you, you name it. But so how long were you there for? Was Foray your next move? I was there almost a year. No. And then I went to Victoria's Secret. So I got a really great offer and I wanted to move back to New York anyway. Um, I was in Boston for a year, back to Boston, um, but back to New York and I worked for Victoria's Secret. And first I worked in beauty. Um, and then I had some good friends from business school who were working in lingerie and they said, please come over and work for us. And so I moved over. I worked on the innovation team, which was really, really, really cool. And a fun fact that you guys don't know about Victoria's Secret is they're, and everybody's going to know that they're a market leader in bras, right? But they're actually the market leader in technology for bras. Um, and so, you know, anything that's new comes out, comes to them first, all of the new, like how you make it thinner, lighter, better, stronger, and bras are feats of engineering, they're bridges, they hold weight. There's a lot of complexity in them more than you think, but to have like something and in the business is run like a science, right? To have 1200 stores, to have however many thousands of SKUs and to manage like 20 styles and 20 sizes, like 30A all the way to like 40 triple D is crazy. Like it's the systems and stuff that you have to put in place, whatever. It was, it was great. And so I first did that innovation team and then I moved over um, and then I was running all of design operations. And my last job there was to recreate the entire process of how we develop product from ideation and in-store. And so we took a look at every single person's, and this is where before it really started, but we took a look at everybody's job from sourcing raw materials to planning units to um, designing to how many samples we're producing. I mean, like literally every single thing um, because we're trying to get faster and closer to the customer and be able to make really um, calls late. So, you know, Victoria's Secret was in a place where, you know, they could test something and then if it really checked, like they can test five colors of something that really, really checked, they could get back into it in seven days, which is crazy. Okay, crazy wow. from a supply chain perspective. So, um, and th- and that's the thing people don't necessarily realize about Victoria's Secret, like their competitive advantage is their supply chain. And so um, that was amazing. Never, never discount how amazing that um, education was in real yeah. life and, and sitting in every single role and, and just learning from every single person in the company what their job was. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, uh, so, so I'm curious, you, you, you sounds like you had a pretty busy life up to this point. Um, when did you start playing golf then? Like, how did that become a thing? Great question. On the <laughs> third date with my husband. And so first date was dinner. Second date was a movie. Third date, classic guy, right? Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? I don't yeah, know. I know. And I obviously, I'm like, I'm a good date. I was like, I was listening. And he's like, oh, I play golf. And I was like, oh, let's go play golf. I've never played golf ever. Like never. Bold ever. move. Like, let's go play. Sure. Um, and I was a tennis player. I grew up playing tennis, but I had a, I blew out my knee. Um, so I didn't get to play in college cause I completely blew it out. But, um, so we went to Chelsea Pierce and he's like, sort of like told me how to hold a golf club. And then I was like, okay. And I got up there and swung and like immediately like fell in love. It was just immediate. Um, and so I was in really good shape because I used to live in Tribeca. I used to run up the West side highway, go hit like a hundred balls, run back home. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of how it started. And I think my first round of golf was probably, that's, that started in October. 
my first round of golf was the next March. Um, and I actually even remember, I have pictures from the first day I had to figure out what to wear on the golf course. And I had gone to Gap because I was like, oh, in my head, what you're supposed to wear to play golf is like khaki pants and like a collared shirt and whatever. So I cobbled together this like really terrible outfit that like did not fit at all. Um, but yeah, that was the first thing I ever wore. It was like, I, I literally have the pictures from the dressing room because I remember asking Mike, I was like, is this appropriate? Is this appropriate? <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing and that's that. where it all started. And so... Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I'm guessing that was probably around the time that you realized there wasn't many options in the women's golf apparel and especially something that was a little more modern and unique. And so, uh, since there was clearly an opening in the marketplace, was this around the time or was this the reason that you decided to start for a golf? Kind of right. I think it was, um, it was a style and it was a fabric. And then it was the aha moment of like literally sitting in the Victoria's Secret Innovation Team meetings and them showing us this cool bonding raw material that does this and that and the other thing. And when it gets hot, you know, it'll shrink and do this other thing for you. Um, and then going to go buy golf clothes and buying like the most terrible, cheapest fabric that doesn't fit at all. And then sitting through again the next day, like five fittings to get this thing absolutely perfect within like, you know, an eighth of an inch. And then going to the golf course and having a shirt that fits like it's like boxy. And when I swing, my like stomach hangs out, you know, um, it was just kind of this, like, I don't understand. There's so much technology. And, and also it was like the rise of like fly knit and like all of that stuff happening with Nike, which fun fact, the Under Armour fly knit shoes are made on a Victoria's Secret bra machine. Wow. That's cool. But yeah. Um, but the, but that's, what's interesting. It was like this aha of like, I don't understand this is happening everywhere else. And why is it happening at golf? You have these consumers that are high end consumers with high net worth. They are used to buying things that are better. Like he's not driving like a Toyota Tercel. He's driving like a BMW. Okay. So why are you giving him the Toyota Tercel shirt or her? Um, and then just sort of like being inspired of like, I love this game. Like, is this what I want to do with my life? Kind of. And then the other thing that's missing from this whole equation is my daughter. So I had her, um, when did I have her? Oh my God, I should know. She just had her birthday. <laughs> and got I got a lot going on. You can't, you can't blame you. Yeah, she got a lot going on. She's turned, she's just turned three. Um, she's amazing. Her name is Ray. She's named after Ray's Creek at Augusta, which that should tell you exactly how obsessed we are with golf. Oh Yeah. We're like, what can we name our kid? Like bogey? No. <laughs> um, at least birdie. But anyway, so she's, so she's three, but I had her and from, it's different for different people and every mom is different. Everybody's a snowflake and every family's different. But for me, it was one of these things where I know she's going to have a lot of opportunity. The thing that I'm afraid of most, or I'm most aware of is her being a hard worker and wanting to get ahead and having a drive because I, you know, one of the things that both Mike and I are, are, um, we're very industrious, okay. <laughs> like going on vacation with us. We're probably the worst people to go on vacation with. Like we're not sitting on the beach people. We're like, all right, in the morning we've scuba diving in the afternoon, we're going to go like pet sharks. Yeah, my family's the same um, way. and at night we're going to like make our own Sundays. I mean, it's just nonstop. It's like, we're a nightmare. Just, yeah. Don't go on vacation with us unless you just like want to be exhausted after you're done with vacation. So anyway, so that's just kind of the values of like what our family um, is about. And so for me, I was like, well, I need to do something that I can show her that her mom works hard and that it's something that I can build for her. And, um, you know, that it's, 
it's almost like a parable. Like you can make something from nothing, you know, you can make something and and don't let yourself and believe that you can and don't limit yourself. And, and so the, the, that's sort of the raison d'etre of like what we are. And it's for Ray, like literally for Ray. Oh wow! I own every version of the domain name. (laughs) That is, (laughs) Um, that is awesome. I had no idea that's how the name came to be. And I mean, what a great reason to start a business. You're not just doing it to, um, you know, make money in a brand that you believe in, but also to inspire someone and inspire others and specifically in this situation your daughter which is just really cool and love the name and yeah. so besides all of that um you know what is the mission behind the brand what do you guys stand for it's really about women and being women focused right and so um well the the whole i guess the whole impetus and the whole reason that we exist is really to make women feel authentic on the golf course the thing is, you know, you go to yoga class and you look amazing. You go out for dinner, you look amazing and you feel like yourself. But the problem is every time you used to get on the golf course, you're wearing something that makes you feel like your grandmother or you're like, you're wearing a costume and that's not real, you know? Um, and also there's an interesting representation, especially in social media, you can see it. But if you just even Google women golf, the first thing that comes up are like the 10 hottest women in golf, right? It's your first result. And I get it like Google optimization. Yes, there's a lot of clicks there. That's fine. but that doesn't, you know, like Paula Gretzky, I'm sure is a lovely person and wonderful and more than just like a face and a body. Um, you know, I felt a little, I felt a little underrepresented. My friends felt a little underrepresented too. And so there wasn't our voice. Um, and now it's been really great. I think a lot of the golf industry is really, really small. I think a lot of people have come together and a lot of women. Um, and it's really cool to see my, my friends, my female friends, come to these positions of power now, like in the head of social media, golf digest or, you know, golf.com or whatever. But, um, you know, there's this sort of movement of like, who are we really, you know, it's also for me coming from my MBA and business school, being able to play golf. I didn't play golf in business school, but I sure did when I was a Victoria's secret and it definitely gotten me into conversations that I otherwise would not have been a part of. Right. So being able to walk up to somebody and ask them if they've played Pinehurst or like, oh, did you, you know, go to the Masters or even just having those conversations and awareness of it, um, it helps you get ahead. And especially for women, you know, you know, and I try not to Bible beat on the women thing too much and, and um, call out, you know, you know, that we're, that it is different for us, but it is. And, and um, it's, it's one of the things that levels the playing field. And I, I think that's also what's great about the sport is like, I can play with people of any level. Like I am the worst of all my friends by (laughs) far, (laughs) you know, but I'm up and down and I'm getting it done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it is. And and thank God I don't make money doing it (laughs) like playing golf because I would be. That's really cool. So we actually had a, uh, we we published an article on our website uh, from uh, Anna and Armana. They run this blog called the graceful golfer. And they actually wrote an entire article about, uh, for women to get them into the game, you know, why it's good, not just for something to do and meet people, but for business. And they talk about how uh, you can get new clients and things like that. So um, I think that's a really good point. And for getting more women to golf, it's something that I believe should be uh, focused on. But so you so you have this brand idea, and I think it's very much needed. You're filling a need in the market for the fact that, like you said, uh, women's golf clothing is, is pretty pretty far in the past and there needs to be some modernization to it. And so what was, uh, at the start, your biggest challenge to get this thing off the ground? Boy. A lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I mean, the first thing is, like, the first thing that you actually have to do when you're an entrepreneur, and you know this too, right, is, like, actually make the decision, do it. And in some ways, that's the hardest thing, right? Just like, am I going to do this? Am I going to take this risk? Okay, like, here we go. And you probably don't know what it's going to be like. 
Um, and I know a lot of people are just sort of like, should I, should I not? And there's a lot of vacillating. You just have to do it. And the only way I usually like use the analogy of like just running through the brick wall, just run through the brick wall, just make it happen. That's the first thing. And the first step though is the hardest. And then everything else kind of comes with it. And then you sort of have a plan and um, what you think is the plan doesn't turn out to be the plan. And I think the the hardest thing that I guess I've learned about it is entrepreneuring is hard. Yep. <laughs> so like um, it makes you a little bit much more uh, stable of a person because you can have like the best Monday and your Tuesday will be absolutely terrible. Oh, yeah. And then Wednesday you're riding high again and Thursday is a disaster. And so you're constantly on this like weird wave of like success, failure, success, failure. Like, you know, your supplier shipped you something wrong, but like, Oh, Hey, here's this other thing you got picked up in an article. <laughs> yeah. I'll digest. I mean, like, um, so learning to kind of like get your act together and be really calm about it all. And really like, um, stoic in some ways. And like, you have to celebrate obviously, but like, that's really hard. And definitely for me. Cause I like, you know, I want to be happy and enjoy my life, but also you have to just take the punches too. So, but anyway, so the, I mean, the thing that was probably hardest was just really, you know, figuring out what the plan was and we make everything in New York. Um, we make everything in New York and it's all made out of European fabric. And so for us, you know, why that might be a barrier for entry for some people for doing it, you know, because we have these existing relationships, um, you know, the team that, I, that we've built and I, we kind of got that done um, probably a lot easier than you think. Probably the hardest part, honestly, is really getting the word out there in in a way. And because people have grown to expect something so terrible from their golf clothing, re-educating mm-hmm. people that like, Mm-mm, like you don't have to, like stop. Okay, and that's perfect for my my next question was going to be, uh, you know, what is your marketing strategy? So, are you guys just e-commerce, or do you have a brick and mortar location? And then past that is when you guys first started. Uh, how did you get foray in front of the right people? Yeah. So, um, we have grown, um, so the, the e-com and our, actually our brand technically launched seven, seven, 17, right? So it's just over a year and change old, like year and a half old almost. Right. Um, it launched seven, seven, 17 e-com. We originally were, you know, thinking, and this is the other thing about being an entrepreneur, right? And you know, this too, it's like, you gotta be able to pivot, right? Don't be married to anything. Oh yeah. You know? So we were like, we're going to be an e-commerce company. She's going to shop us online. We're going to show her all the stuff. She's going to be so excited. And it was good, but like nowhere near where we could have been. Right. And so we were like, I think October last year, it's been a year. We said, Oh God, what are we going to do? Like, we really need to think about this. So it's, you know, let's do it. Let's actually go and, and be a wholesale business too. Right. And so, um, we had zero clubs. And I got on the road, um, me, and I went around the country and trying to find people and talk to different people going all the different trade shows. Um, Finally, I've just hired two different people the last in the spring, um, and they've been doing amazing. So we've gone from zero to 50 um, green grass accounts in the last year. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And and, and the thing that's really, that's definitely a hard part of it because um, golf is a really small industry. Um, there's a lot of relationships within the business. Everybody knows everybody and it's hard to kind of change. And again, like back to that mindset, like change people's understanding what a value proposition is. We had people that were like, got it immediately. Right. Like Sherwood in LA has always gotten it. They're amazing. Their merchant is Erico. She's incredible. She gets it. Um, you know, it's about who they understand the people that really understand their consumers. So whatever. So we have a store, we have the green gas accounts and 
we opened up an, on, a, an actual physical store in the Hamptons this summer, which was great, which is really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So that's like you said, you had to pivot there and you, you saw that the e-commerce wasn't necessarily bringing in everything you wanted to be. And so you went out and got these uh, green grass accounts. And so how many of those were you able to get on your own before you had to hire people? Oh my God. You're really going to make me count. Um, <laughs> that, was think, it, was it relentless? Were you just going after it? Yeah. Like, you know, like using every angle that we possibly could to get in the door. Cause like, again, I'm a kid from Poughkeepsie and I used to work in bras. So like, why would they take a meeting with me? I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, but really relentless, <laughs> relentless. And you can ask my husband about this, I guess, but like relentless pursuit. Um, so I think probably like 15, 20, but now like we really had gone, um, we've done a couple of really cool things, like did a deal with discovery land company where we did custom stuff for them. And that's also the, the cool thing about the supply chain that we built is that we can do really, really custom stuff because we do it here in New York. So it's like really low liability and really high like impact with small units. So anyway, so that's the sort of stuff that I was able to go and do. And now I have these two great people and actually a third in Hawaii. Um, but we have like, you know, that's the major gap for us is like, you know, how do we find the right people to hire, um, you know, for the different territories that we need to cover? There's some people who were able to go into this business and had existing relationships with salespeople. We didn't. In fact, probably our number one salesperson right now by the dollars is um, she's a retired uh, professional water skier Wow! from SeaWorld. Yeah. yeah. She's also a dancer. She's lovely. Um, she's in Florida and she's just like, she's incredible. Um, really cool. yeah. So, so, okay. You, now our audience on, is like, I think 75, 80% men and 20% women. And, and we're trying to grow that. But so for, for a guy and let's say his girlfriend is playing golf, you know, what do you guys sell? What is the clothing and, and the goal behind it? <laughs> Well, you're going to be really jealous, I guess, because um, people ask us a lot to make menswear. The main thing I would say, and the thing I would tell the men, I usually tell them first, Mm -hmm. is actually our technology is better than everybody else's, better than men's and better than women's. So like nobody in the world, actually nobody in the United States has the fabric that we use. Um, We're the only people that have it because it is expensive and amazing and like not, it's actually not replicable. It truly actually is not replicable. Like we tried to rip it off at one point cannot be ripped off. Um, so it comes from Italy. It's a four-way stretch. I had a guy this summer come into our store in the Hamptons. I was talking to him. I was selling clothes to his wife, obviously. I was talking to him and I was like, listen, he's like, I don't believe you. This is garbage or whatever. I was like, listen, I secretly made a bunch of men's polos. I'm going to give you one. You wear it and you tell me what you think. Two weeks later, I'm in, on a conference call in my office in the back of the store. And my you know sister comes in and she's like, this guy's like outside for you. It was him. And he's like, it was those really that really hot, muggy time in the summer. Oh, and he's like, I've worn this polo two days in a row. This is amazing. Can I buy it in every single color? And I was like, no, dude. Like, literally, it only made... <laughs> I took a men's medium polo from a different brand. I ripped off the pattern because I'm not intending on making men's clothing. I just wanted people to feel for men because you guys don't put women's clothing on. Yeah, of course not. Um, I wanted you guys to feel what it felt like. Um, so, so then why not, why not make men's clothes if you feel like there could be a demand for it? Um, you know, honestly, I think <sighs> you guys are tough. I don't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> well, right back at you. So I really don't. I think my worst nightmare is probably having to shop for my husband. I okay. mean, like I just, I really don't get you guys I with love. Fair I mean, point, you point. know, with, you know, you, you're really, you're really hard because like, I guess it's it's probably the same for women as it is for men. Like women have their designers that they really like, and it's sort of based on your body type, right? I guess 
depends how you like the fit and things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you guys tend to, like, some guys are stripe guys, some guys are solid guys. Like, it's so complicated. Like, I can't even. I feel you. Um, so that's also, a good like, point. That's a really saturated market, too. I don't think that's a market opportunity. I really don't. Um, not that I'm going to say we're never going to do something, right? Because that's the second you say never, like I said, I was never going to move back to New York City, and here we are 10 years later. But, um, you know, I think I think you guys have a really saturated market and um, the opportunity is really addressing addressing women. Um, and I think we can play with more stuff. I think we just have the ability to play with more stuff. And I think there are a lot of companies who are doing things right that are interesting, like Grayson's doing things right that's interesting. Their knits are incredible. Their outerwear is incredible. And then you have companies like Malbun Golf who really cool menswear company, really blending street and skate and hip hop. And we had them in our store in Hampton this summer. We were partners in the store. Yep. Um, and uh, they're doing something and they're bringing like youth culture, truly. I mean, to golf, their Instagram post today is a picture of a rapper wearing a Malbon, you know, logo t sweatshirt on stage in front of this gigantic crowd. I mean, and that's their crew. It's just mm -hmm. this, and they all, they're all legitimate. They all legitimately play golf. And so, but it's this young youth streetwear movement. It's really yeah, cool. It's so really then I think cool. there are people that are doing it right. I wouldn't be able to focus on it in the right way right now. For now. Yeah. And that's something that's I was going to go off that. I think I completely agree with you because uh, there are a lot of people doing a fantastic job, like you just said, and, and finding that niche, like Malbon found theirs and Grayson found theirs. And you have found yours with, with creating this modern woman's line. And so for you, yeah. you're, you're clearly very goal oriented. I'm guessing you have someone of a vision for this going into the future. You know, what are your goals for the next uh, couple of years? <laughs> World domination. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, no, you know, for us, I think spread the word and get more girls involved. I think, um, I think educating the consumer, what I would really love, honestly, yes, I obviously want to sell clothing and that's great. Um, I want to get more women involved in the sport. I want to get, you know, support the athletes that need support. I want to, um, I want to grow the business so that I can hire more people. I want to, you know, like employ more people. Like, I think that's the right thing to do. Um, I think remaining really focused on what golf is, is important for now and really, you know, serving that customer the right way. Um, giving somebody something new and exciting all the time. I, you know, it's, it's a tough question to answer because, it's like, we're, I mean, well, I can tell you, like, our next collection for 2019, we're all, you know, pre-booking our inventory and stuff that's going to ship in January. It's all being manufactured. One of our collections is totally sold out already. It hasn't even hit consumers yet, which is great. So um, the, things that, the things that we're really going through that are really real are, you know, scaling the business. And how do you scale it? And, and I, think, I think if I had to answer the question a little bit differently, which is the stuff, what's the stuff that I'm looking forward to in the business as we grow mm -hmm. a little different? is like those new challenges. So like, you know, how do you scale the business? How do you grow sustainably? You know, what is the next thing? Um, and I'm really looking forward to answering those yeah. questions. That's really cool. So back to, you, you mentioned something there at the beginning of your answer is that getting more women into golf and, uh, yeah. you know, what, so what do you think from that angle? How do you think you get more girls into golf? It's such a million dollar question, it's right? A million dollar everybody's question. trying to answer it right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the LPGA Foundation's trying to answer it, and I think they're you know they came up with this invite her thing. Um, you know, really, yeah, the invite her campaign. So I had Jane Geddes on. She's she's um she's like a two time major yeah. champ, and she actually is kind of running that. And we talked a lot about this. And yeah. something she mentioned was that 
she thinks that there should be like like what we talked about earlier is that it should focus on what golf can give you outside of just something to do like relationships you know business opportunities things like that Mm -hmm. would you agree i totally agree and i think also college right so if you think about you know how title nine works you know, it's great. And equal funding goes to men's and women's sports. You've got all these unused, I think it's 50% of women's college golf scholarships going unused every year. So that's like, every time I have to talk to a group of girls, um, that's the thing I say, you know, I'm like, Hey guys, you want to go to college? You want to go to college for free? I'm sure your parents want you to go to college for free. So <laughs> pick up a golf club. Uh, yeah. Like go pick up a golf club. I've actually told a lot, you know, my daughter's three. So I've told a lot of parents, um, I'm sure they're sick of me saying that. I think the thing that's interesting is, you know, we can all say it. And, um, the different thing is doing it right. And how do you actually do it? And so it's more than just like kind of playing that lip service is like, actually like get out there and like have a party, get people and actually do it from the grassroots effort. Um, there's another group of girls actually here in New York called the Gruder golf girls. And they throw these events, which are really, really cool. And it, and it just started from an idea. They only started playing golf as this group of four girls. One of them was in Boston. They're New Yorkers mostly, but they have real day jobs. Like one girl's a nurse. Um, but they had the aha moment, like, Hey, all of these guys are like going out to play golf and they're like, you know, spending five or six hours out. Like, that seems like that must be fun. Like, why would they be doing that? Is it just get away from us? Like, what's up with that? And so they said like, screw it, let's go do it. And they loved it. And what they've done is they've gone from like the four of them to like 500 people strong in like a year of throwing these events around New York and New York city, um, and getting people to come and actually play of all levels. And they've made it really, really fun and accessible and young and whatever. And it's going to take like that type of organic thing to actually genuinely do it. Like, I think one of the things that she said that I really, really liked is a lot of people are talking about it, but not a lot of people are doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's cool. But for me, it's like, yeah. and, and, And then for me, like we did the research before we started the company. Right. And one of the things that was a catalyst was we looked like why are more millennials not playing golf? And one of the anecdotal pieces of evidence was because the golf clothing sucks. And so for us, we were like, well, that's silly. Like it's like saying I can't possibly run because I can't find a pair of like running shoes. I like that's absurd. Right. And so like for us, we're for us. Yes. Like we're not out there pulling her onto the course, you know, but we're creating a reason like, you know, and it's actually true if you have something cool to wear to work out, you work out more often. It's just Absolutely. That's like what it is. And that's why I think what um, you guys are doing is so cool and it's so needed in golf right now. And then it, it just, it looks good. Like it, it's something you would want to buy for your girlfriend for the wear on the course. And that's, uh, you know, pretty necessary. And that's really cool. With the, I actually follow them on Instagram, the, the Gruder golf. Yeah. They're and, awesome. Yeah. I probably have to talk to them and get them on here. That sounds like a really good initiative. Oh, you should. They're, they're incredible. And like, and they actually are doing it right. They're doing it. Yeah. Um, like organically. And like, you know, I think, I think that's the way it's like, let's just build that kind of momentum. And then, you know, how do we talk to girls after college? How do we talk to girls like in high school and, um, and get them continuing to be engaged? We also do, we do a lot of charity work. And so one of the things that we've really supported from the beginning of the business is the LPGA foundation girls golf. And I'm sure you guys have probably talked about it before in your mm-hmm. show, but it's like, um, it's girls only programming for golf. And they found that if they take, you know, different from the first tee, right. Which is co-ed, but if they found if they take the girls away and they have girls only programming, their retention rates 50% higher. So they've gone from 50 or 5,000 to like 75,000 in like a matter of like no, no time. Um, and it's, it's incredible. It's part of the LPGA foundation. So we've, we've tried to donate to them pretty heavily uh, since we started because that's exactly what we want from the bottom up. 
and I'm going to be jealous of every single kid swing because <laughs> it starts right in the beginning and you don't have to cobble it together in the end, like around all sorts of like old war injuries. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you get out to play much anymore since you're now starting your own business? We ask this all the time and every single person is always like, well, I thought I would, but, um, nope. <laughs> yeah. It's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I play every week. No, actually I really, I, I, I played two rounds this last year. It's, it's pitiful. I'm about to go on a girls golf trip. I'm really excited. So it's going to be girls only. We're going to all the Bahamas. Wow. going to go That's play some awesome. golf in go. the sun, chill out. Yeah, that'll be great. And so like, I'm looking forward to that, but that course, I mean, that those greens are pretty tough. Although last time I was there, it was like right before the masters. So who knows? But, um, That's awesome. but you know, I mean, yeah, it ne- it's never, it's never as much as you want. And golf is a little bit like a drug, right? As soon as you start, there's kind of, it's really hard to break the habit. It is. It's like, then you get really obsessive about it. You're like, oh, you know. Um, well, I, I say this too. is like, I thought when I started business in golf, I'd play more and I play so much less than I have. And like you said, it is oh, like a drug. Fun. Like you, you know, you think about it. Like, oh God, I'd love to go. It's beautiful. I like, oh, I'd love to get out there, but you have work to do, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, well, this has been, I mean, this has been awesome. I think listening to this, um, you know, you clearly achieved a lot. And uh, you mentioned earlier. We're so uh, tired. Thank you so much. <laughs> you, you mentioned. Well, you mentioned earlier that you that your advice was to go through that brick wall to start. But is there anything you would add on to that for someone who's listening who maybe is at that point where it's like, oh, I have this idea, you know, and they want to start something? Um, you know, what would what would you tell them? Oh boy, you know, if somebody who wants to start something. I think. Um, I think that is good advice. You know, do your research though. I would do as much possible research as you can and think like two, three steps ahead. It's a little bit of a chess game, right? But figure out what your competitive advantage is and then like dial that up and be really, really focused. And you're going to be tempted to go off the mark. Um, but always theoretically have a check-in with yourself, you know, to go back to that place. And and some of that also, this is a little corollary to that. Um, don't lose your creativity. And that's, that's really hard when you run a business. I'm sure you know that too, because you get really focused in the nuts and bolts. And I'm sure, you know, like team from Miz and Maine can tell you that too. It's like you're sweeping the floors and then you forget, oh, the reason I started this was because like, I really wanted to see like a floral thing in this bomber jacket. And like, I'm really passionate about having like whatever cool graphics on. I mean, you have to make time for yourself to actually remember why. And so like, never forget why if you have to like tattoo it on your body, probably just don't put it on your face because it's going to come in the way of business meetings. But like whatever you got to do to remind yourself like daily, weekly, whatever the the right time period is like, don't forget why don't forget to make sure you're the, yeah. And and don't forget to, to be like the, um, Oh my God, I'm trying to think of the word, but it's like, you want to be not an apostle. That's the other way. But you want to be like not the Messiah. That's totally wrong too. <laughs> but you really want you you want to be like just screaming it. Like this is why. This is why. This is why. All the time. And the people around you and your team and everybody else. You have to refocus everybody and remember. Have a, remind everybody why. Um, so know your why and always remember to come back to. I think I, that's for me. I've definitely had points where, like you said, you get in the nuts and bolts and you you kind of get uh, miserable is the wrong word, but you're you're grinding yeah. so hard towards that that you forget. It's like, oh, I started this because I want to have a business around something I love to do. Like 
let's get back to that. Right. And that, that's sometimes you have to take a step back, look at it all and get out of that day to day hyper focus that you can have doing it. So I mean, yeah. that's a fantastic thing. like that too, right? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like that too. Cause you're just like, you're like, Oh my God, it's in the sand. All right. Now what am I going to have to do? I have to get up and down. Da, da, da. And you're like, wait a second, hold on a second. This is a game. Yeah. I'm supposed to be having fun. Like, Okay, pump the brakes. All right, I made like a twelve on that hole. Whatever, Who like cares? let it Move go. On. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, enjoy yourself. Um, enjoy yourself in the process, exactly. if you may. Yeah, because if you're going to do it, and especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur and take that leap, like you really have to enjoy it because it is a fully consuming, never-ending. Like you're on job. It's all day, every day. There are no days off. I mean, it's really hard. Oh yeah, that's for sure, and it's definitely harder than you would ever expect, but. In the end, it's all worth it, and we can definitely tell from your enthusiasm that you have for this, that for the most part, you have been enjoying every minute of building the business, and just overall, congrats on everything you've achieved so far. It's really cool what you have built, and I know you're very busy, so thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today, and hopefully we'll uh, get you back on down the line to hear how everything is going. (laughs) You got it. Thanks. Take care. All right, and that wraps up our interview with Megan Lamoth. A big thank you to her for coming on the show and taking the time to tell us about how she built for a golf. It was a very impressive story of perseverance, and I hope you all enjoyed it. And beyond that, it has been an absolute pleasure hosting the show for you all in 2018. And if you've been enjoying it, please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. And make sure to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Ryan C. Walker underscore. I would love to hear what you're thinking about the show. And until next time in 2019, thanks again for listening today.